So this is part two of the conversation I had with Archie Brooks Watson, a comedian from London. Um, as always, if you have just clicked on this without clicking on part one, this won't make any damn sense. So click on part one and then click back here to hear the rest of it. All right, see you in a bit. Good. Try, uh, did you ever used to try any poetry nights, or was it literally just you writing it for yourself? I know, yeah, just writing it for myself. That's cool. So, what got you into stand-up comedy? So I joined. Your eyes lit up right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah. That's the most excited I've seen someone when I when I asked when I asked that question. It's like that's amazing, it's beautiful. Come on. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, yeah, it kind of, it's fond of memories, I guess, of, um, I, I joined the Comedy Society at my university, and I, I saw the kind of talent that was being offered there. Yeah. And at the time, it wasn't very good, so yeah. I thought I could do better. Yes, Archie, you tell him. <laughs> yes, you tell him. So, what happened then? So, you joined the Comedy Society, and yeah. then... And I, uh, I I did a I did a set uh, in quite sort of like, like as part of a workshop, yeah. and that went down pretty well. And uh, and then, but then my first ever performance, it was this kind of like, like it wasn't it wasn't sort of stand like a like a lot of stand up comedy team. Actually, it kind of only kind of would vaguely be cast as stand up comedy. It yeah. was like kind of like a whole fictitious narrative yeah. about the origins of stand-up comedy, the art form. I, I, I talked about a, a fictional guy called Stand-Up Sit-Down Jones, who'd, <laughs> who'd invented it, and it was five minutes of me going into the, into um, his history. And uh, like someone told me that the thing with that is that they, when I first started talking about it, they think it's real. And then it's like it gradually dawns on them that it just can't be real because it's so ridiculous. Mm. So, what's been your best gig and your worst gig so far? You don't have to mention names if you don't want to. Uh, okay, so worst gig. Uh, well, there's. I mean, the, the first time I did the blackout, I got booed off and someone shouted out, fuck off your shit. Oh. <laughs> But I actually quite enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. um, Wait, you enjoyed someone saying to fuck off your shit? <laughs> well, part of that, I mean, the whole the whole being food off, yeah, that is quite a fun In a way, quite a fun experience. I don't think anyone else would ever would, would see it like that, but fair play to you. So what, what about, okay, what is it about being food off that you found quite exciting? But it's... I guess it's kind of the same sort of reason as like just just being in front of people and getting a reaction. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a, it's kind of just a bit exhilarating. Really. Okay. I um, and then my so that my, I could say that was my worst gig, but then there was like in terms of just like a sort of a, a really muted response, not even booing it. Um, there was I did I did the uh, top secret comedy club in Brighton. 
and that's that's like um, 20, 25 people, all of whom have paid five pounds to get in, and uh, they just didn't really um, vibe with my style. That's right. They uh, just 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 silence for most of it. Oh God! Yeah. Who was in the bill with you? Um, Ashy scientists. Sorry, yeah. Who did pretty well, actually. Uh, that's the only one whose name I can recall. How do you get on to, how do you actually get on to um, the Top Secret Comedy Club? You message Alexander Voodoo. Okay. He, wait, he runs the one in Brighton, not the one in London? Yeah, he runs the one in Brighton. Okay, okay, alright, because there's one in London as well. As well. Okay, cool. So, what's been your best gig so far? Best gig? Um... Well, there. I mean, it could it could be uh, it could be multiple answers to this. It could be the very first one I did, yeah. with the one about you know the fictitious narrative, which it. I mean, it went down incredibly well. That was a yeah. great first gig to do. It was on my university campus. Yeah. Everyone seemed to love it, and it, and it really felt like after that, I'd like, started doing something that was um, yeah, that was special. In my yeah. Mind, I guess. And uh, I mean, there's I mean, there's, there's like. The last blackout one that I did, I went, I went out very well, and I got beat for five minutes. So. Good, good. Uh, yeah, oh, I mean, there was there was one in the Vauxhall Comedy Club. Uh, we, there were uh, two like people in the front row who were kind of, they were kind, they were kind of like not, they were kind of at like halfway between being sort of disruptive and being kind of really quite. Vocal yeah. about their like their enjoyment of the act, right? yeah. and at, at one point, one of them turned to the other and said, "This guy's too funny," but it, but it, it was quite loud, so then I got a laugh just by reacting to it. <laughs> That's cool. That was a great thing. So, what was it that actually got you wanting to do stand-up comedy? Because it doesn't, it's some, it's something that um, there's always a trigger for it, isn't there? Like a couple, like a year or so before you actually do start properly thinking about it what was it that triggered it for you so I mean apart so I mean there's, there's the fact that you know I went I, I went to my community society and I, I thought I could do um, better but then I, I guess there's also a question of, of what I don't know what I, I feel that I mean it's I don't know. I, I haven't. I don't actually have knowledge of that. Question. No. What, I mean, what would you? What would you say? For me, it was. I think. So, okay. This is years. This is at least about twelve years before. Because I'm twenty-eight now, right? This is at least about twelve years before I actually did it. Um, so in two thousand and six. I watched um, Dane Cook's Dane Cook's um, Vicious Circle special, and I was watching it thinking he's just talking to an audience and they're reacting. Yeah, that's insane. Not that anyone can do that because he's got uh, this insane charisma, whether you like Dane Cook or not. But he was it was like he was literally just telling a story to an audience. And they were laughing at it. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Kind of put it, to, kind of put it to bed. Yeah. Um, 
fast forward to about 2016, um, I watched, I took my sister to go see Kevin Hart at Wembley Arena. Um, same thing again. I was like, this dude is just talking to an audience, is just talking to an audience, talking to an audience, telling a story. That's something that I have done before in like presentations and stuff. But then I put it to bed, right? Then in about two, uh, in about 2017, um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was watching. Um, I think, no, do you know what? I was watching John. B- I took my dad to see John Bishop for his birthday yeah. at Otorino, because yeah, um, and I just thought, right, I want to try this. How do I get onto? How do I get onto it? So I did a little bit of research and I found a comedy course at City Academy and they started taking people in um, May 2018. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to apply for that and that's, I'm going to just see what it, I'm going to do a six week course and see how, and see how that goes. Um, Then six week course starts and I realized we're going to have a showcase at the end of it and I decided I'd don't want to bomb at the showcase. Yeah, I just did not want to dumb ass at the showcase. So the second week of the course, I decided to take myself off to an open mic afternoon in um, in Hammersmith. Uh, yeah, instant laughs. Two o'clock, Hammersmith. So that was my first ever gig. No audience, just myself, Ben Kavanagh, Chris Darwa, and Nick Adamson. Just sort of workshopping I guess wow there were four performers four, yeah four performers including me and no audience whatsoever okay wow that was my first gig <laughs> and I got up there with no notes whatsoever did a five minute set and they were when I told them at the end that that was my first time they was like wow um, keep going man there's some good stuff in there I was like alright cool thank you and here, here I am, like 200 and something gigs later, and still going. Okay. So how? So what was your trigger? What was my trigger? Uh, that was a nice way. That was a nice way to give yourself some thinking space there. I like that. <laughs> well, hmm. I mean, uh, I, well, I mean, like, I. I like, like I've said, I kind of went to the Comedy Society and I, I thought... I mean, I used to put, so there's the reason that I just thought that I'd be good at it. Yeah. As I was inspired, where, whereas you were inspired by looking at really good comedians. Yeah. So I was inspired by looking at comedians who I didn't think. Yeah. And wanting... So I think that, I think, I think that that's pretty much an answer in itself. But then also, I, I guess I'm thinking about what... Why... Like, why comedy uh, uh, but, like, but I don't like I, I never used to be into stand up okay. comedy I think maybe like a lot of comedians they've kind of grown up watching it yeah. but for me it's only fairly recently that I've been quite passionate about watching okay so do you prefer to go to watch it live or do you prefer, or do you watch Netflix and stuff uh, actually that's a mix I I um, like I, I like uh, Stuart, Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle series. I think he kind of really, kind of really hit his stride in like the second and third series. And I can watch those, those kind of series over again. 
Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't think he's as good now. Uh, so I wouldn't. Maybe you know, I prefer to talk to Zola rather than going to see him live now. But then also, obviously, there's benefits to seeing a comedian live. Yeah. There's different, different experiences. Um, maybe kind of more informative. Yeah. Like if you're looking to sort of be, be inspired. Um, I uh, yeah, I've um, put myself to see Tom Ward. Did you? Looking forward to seeing him. Oh, what are you seeing then? I, on the 27th. Oh, nice. Where is he playing? At comedy store. Hey, nice. I've never actually been to the comedy store. Oh, right. Okay. I've never, no, I've never been to it. So I've never done King Gong or anything, or anything oh, like right. that. Have you ever done the Blackout? Never done the Blackout either. Have you done a Gong show? I have done, I've done a Gong show. I did like two in, when I was in Edinburgh this year, I okay. did two. Um, what, the, the Gong shows in Edinburgh? Yeah. I need to, I'm going to note these now. Yeah. Uh, so there's... I'll let you get your phone out and that. Yeah, yeah, it's out. Go on. Yeah. So there's the Ed Factor. And then? Um, there was... Um, I can't, I can't remember the name. I can't remember the night name, but it was run by Luca Muller, who's um, Australia, is an Australian guy. Okay. Nice. Luca Muller. But um, Ed Factor will definitely be coming back next year because uh, Roger Swift keeps posting, keeps posting about it, and he's. It's a re- do you know what? It's a really fun. It was a really fun night to do. That was my first ever Gong show, and the first time I did it. I did you get like in the blackout you get a two minute grace period right yeah um, and about two minutes five se- two minutes five seconds I just completely blanked my material I was like alright guys put your cards up I've forgotten everything put your cards up put your cards did up they, yeah they? of course I did okay but if I had a card and you and someone someone says put your cards up I've forgotten my material there'd be a bit of me to be like no I don't want to do that <laughs> yeah. I don't think it'd last very long and I suppose I suppose then if you'd have like stop speaking and then there were three minutes left and I was the only one who hadn't people might yeah people might get annoyed at me actually but no I wouldn't have stopped but this thing I wouldn't have stopped speaking yeah. I'd have carried on talking and I'd be like seriously mate come on please please I'm dying up here please and then I'd imagine you'd be like nope yeah. no 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 well no. yeah I mean if you'd carried on speaking I would have let you go on <laughs> until five and so I'd have beaten the gong yes well it depends if you were good no, I don't, yeah. So the second time I did it, I lasted four minutes. Third time I did it, lasted four minutes thirty seconds. But this was all in one Edinburgh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'd love to. I'd love. Yeah. Be, I'd love to try a gong show three times in the space of about two weeks. That would that would seem quite helpful. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I learned from it as such, but. I fucking enjoyed it. Yeah, okay. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of got a bug for it during yeah. the gong shows, but I've not done one since I've come back to London because for me, King Gong, it doesn't seem like it's a comedy audience. Oh, what do you mean by that? I mean they're they're out for blood. They're not just out. They're not mainly out for comedy. They're out for your blood. And you've got to not exactly win their affection, but you've sort of got to kind of verbally fight them for their approval. Whereas I think 
a, no, a normal comedy a normal comedy audience who is there for comedy. Yeah, they might be a bit snobbish, but they won't be vicious. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I, I dispute. Go for it, please. But yes, yes. Well, what I like, I think, for the sense of comedy audience is quite vague because I guess, like, yeah, I guess kind of the the kingdom audience are more brutal and but they have I suppose that what the King are are kind of the, the, sort of the taste of the general public but so that amplified and made made, made clear okay okay so but then also it, I, I, I know what you mean in the sense that like um, there are sort of differences to most audiences so I, I found that the, the audience of the blackout they'll prefer food or sexual stuff there, there, okay. there is a um, comedian called Lucy Holbrook. Who's yeah. Very good. And she went up there, and her whole set was about the workplace <laughs> and uh, like um, like bizarre things that parents say about their children. Because it and it just didn't. We're not. I I went up and I talked about wanking. Yeah. And that engaged them more. Yeah. Was it wanking over your girlfriend? Wanking over your girlfriend was that? I never. Yeah, wanking. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, they put my video with my performance on the Blackout YouTube and the yeah. title is Archie Bruce Watson wanking to my ex. Wanking to my it's like, ex. It's one of the first things that comes up now when you search my name on Google. That is... Uh, uh, <laughs> Archie Brooks wanking to my ex. That's, to be fair... I can't think. Of, I can't think of a positive way to spin that. <laughs> that, is quite, that is quite funny though. So, how many times have you done the Blackout? Four times. Four times. Okay. Have you how many times ta- have you won the the champagne yet? No, I haven't. Okay. So is that your next goal? Yes, definitely. I'm doing it in February, so I'll try to try to win the champagne. Do you know what my love? Do you know what my goal is at the moment? Yeah. To win that Cavendish trophy. Oh, okay. I could, yeah, I could, could try and do that. I feel like. Yeah. Okay. Like maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'm gonna go down to the Cavendish and gonna do do my do my best stuff. Like, yeah. See what. I mean, is it is it really a thing you can kind of put on your comedy scene? No, it's not. But I want the trophy. <laughs> it's not at all. Oh, okay. I just oh, want. Oh, like a physical. Trophy? No, you got a little trophy. You got a tiny little trophy. Oh, okay. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a tiny little one-pound trophy from Asgard. But I really want it. Okay. I really, really want it. Um. But yeah, it's got. Sure, it's a weird game that we're playing, isn't it? It's a really, it's a really weird and fun game that we're playing because, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of do refer to, I did kind of do refer to it as a game because we're playing for people's affection instead, and one, and um, every night if we do get their affection, and their love, we win the get, we win that game. Yeah. If we don't get that affection, we lose the. Oh my God, I lost the game. We yeah, we lose the game. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. I lost the game. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I suppose I've been winning the game for a while since since about high school when I thought I lost Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! I've I've kept that. I, I haven't lost that. Lost the game in about. Two years. Oh right. Wow. And I played myself, Archie. This is this is so bad. <laughs> Sorry. Um, right. So, what? Uh, you've seen my act, right? What? 
advice, what criticisms would you give me? What constructive criticism would you give me? So I remember you had a bit. I, oh, so I thought there was a bit of your set where the format of it was, I felt, was quite inspired. It was you were talking about the nineties and then yeah. going through the new year of the nineties. Yeah. They were in that year, and uh, I, I really liked the format, but I felt you could have utilised it in a better way. How? How do you think? Like by maybe like thinking of each each year that you mention and what follows of it, and then thinking is like on its if I just told this joke on its own and without any of the context of the other ones, would it would it still land? That makes sense. Would it still land? Okay. So think about other things in that year of the 90s that could work could work essentially or maybe tell a story of why that thing's important to me maybe uh, yeah I mean just I suppose just kind of keep brainstorming keep brainstorming okay anything else I'd, uh, I mean, my, mind me, that that's kind of one of the, the things that I, I definitely remember about your sets. Uh, I, I saw you at Laughable. That's the only time that I... Well, apart from, I think, way, way back um, at Monty's. So I, yeah. I remember you kind of came up after my performance and, and took my hand and said you really liked it. It was very nice of you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I, but I'd have, to, I'd have to be reminded of other parts of your stuff. Okay, right. Um, but yeah, thanks for that. That's really good. Like, this, I'm kind of doing this mainly to learn because um, yeah, that's what you need to do here. And I think that unless you, I think that unless one, um, what we're doing, unless you properly ask for criticism, people are kind of afraid to give it to you. If that makes sense, yeah. because. They don't always like to criticise themselves. Yeah, so I suppose I'd ask vice versa. What would you give any criticism? Okay. Alright. Um, I think... Person... I think maybe be a little bit more animated on stage. Okay, that's, in, that's interesting. So a, a, gig, a gig yesterday, a, uh, a, it was um, Pete Felix who, who said to me that I was... Uh, she, I was like a breath, a breath of fresh air because yeah. of um, how deadpan I was. And a lot of comedians aren't uh, deadpan. Yeah. And I, then after I was thinking, okay, yes, yeah, so that kind of sets me apart. So a lot of comedians, they kind of think, okay, I'm a, I'm a comedian. I've got this animated, kind of yeah. smiley in order to like thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm different to that. But you say, try being more animated. But an- maybe animated doesn't always mean like like Michael McIntyre running around the stage. Okay, yeah. like, it means like facial expressions and like vocal and vo- and a tone of voice and tone of voice okay so i think you definitely got like the physical stuff down that's great and the writing is obviously down but maybe like tone of voice and um facial and facial expressions okay good yeah i could i could give that a go yeah yeah because i think you can still be dead man. but be emotive be a little bit emotive at the, uh, at the same time Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll, I'll give that a go then. Yeah. Sweet. Where are you gigging next? So. I, so this evening I'm gigging at Cuddles for Trouble. Yeah. That's it's not a name, Cuddles. I don't know why they call it that. No. <laughs> Cuddles for Trouble. Well, 
comedians are typically are stereotypically troubled people yeah I'm not talking about yourself or myself obviously but why be the type of night that they're trying to run is quite a supportive and embracing night so that would be the cuddles and the troubles are what the comedian is feeling when they're going off the stage Okay. <laughs> right, is that, do you know that? Or is that no, I don't know that at all. I literally, I've, I've never thought of it until literally you just asked me right now. So that was literally on the spot thinking. And it could be true, it could be complete bullshit, but it's going to be out there on the ether when this, come, when this thing comes out. So, seamlessly, uh, seamless segue. A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I love that film. It's my favourite film. Okay, why is it your favourite film? I don't know. I, it's interesting, that. I've never thought, why do I... Why do I like it? So I thought about what it... If I'm doing my time at the Friday station, I thought about... Uh, what it kind of its symbolism and its um, sort of the use of like cinematography and lighting and I think I think why is it why it's okay so okay so one of the things I like is the main character Alex is it, like in the first half of the film before he's put into prison he, he rapes and kills but he's Despite that, a likeable character, they've somehow managed to get. Like I've seen it over at the cinema when he's um, beat, like there's a point in the film where he kind of sort of come, comes across uh, sort of a man he's wronged in the past, and uh, the, the, the man doesn't recognise him. And he kind of he, give, he he's kind of he's in the bar and he's um, singing. It's like singing a. Like a, a song, which kind of uh, um, notifies the man that he is the same person, the, the man who wrongs him in the past. And I've seen it, and like when he's doing that, people in the audience going, "Oh no!" They actually, actually, they actually feel sympathy for him, despite the fact that he's, he's such a bastard. Hmm. Okay. So, what do you think inspired Kubrick with that film? book. I mean, I'm reading the book at the moment. Oh, it's based on a book? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Did not, I genuinely did not know that. So, the book inspired him. That would, that would make sense. That would make sense. Right, so, what is it about, what has Kubrick managed to do to put his own stamp on the film despite it being... An existing, an existing book property. Well, first of all, apparently the um, there's sort of an ending of. So I haven't finished the book, but the, the ending of the book is, if people don't like, it's kind of like a, an addition to what you see in the film. So Kubrick took that away. He changed the ending. Um, and but he also. Oh yeah, too. it's actually pretty, like, from what I've read so far, it's a pretty, good, pretty faithful adaptation of the book. Mm. And oh, actually, the, well, there are he's even though he's kind of like like a, like a, a, an evil character in the film. Yeah. He's slightly less evil than the book. I think that like, there's some scenes in the book 
which you wouldn't. It would be very, very shocking to depict. Yeah. Okay. So, what do they do to humanise this character specifically? Well, he's he kind of ha- he has um, parents, and he kind of he's um, like despite the fact I think the the actor is probably in his late twenties, early thirties. He like in the in the narrative of the film, he's a like he he goes to school. Yeah. And I think that's kind of one of the things that. I think like a really art, an artistic director can get away with just the fact that like he looks a lot older despite the fact he's yeah he, he's going to school. I feel like you can just like with a film like that you can just kind of accept it as part of the artistic yeah. vision. Like um, there's also a point in the film with like where they like he and his uh, dudes who are like his gang sort of driving in a car and like in terms of special, special effects it looks really bad but Kubrick has done that intentionally. I think that that's kind of what maybe sets apart a great director is they like they can do something like they can get like, I want bad special effects you know in this particular yeah, yeah. Mm. but um, in terms of what they do to, uh, to humanise him uh, well they oh they depict him as suffering a lot they depict because the there's like a sort of a, a, a reformation uh, process he goes to where they kind of really they kind of um, uh, they make him watch uh, these films and they um, put like put his eye in some kind of contraption where they sort of they, they drop they drop drops into his eye oh Jesus and, uh, and so the actual family his eye was permanently uh, damaged through that scene oh Jesus so, so I suppose the humanisation through, through, through his victimisation by others in the film mm. so what specifically are you doing your dissertation on in terms of Cockroach I'm doing it on masculinity and sexuality okay so how are you linking that to a proper orange? Uh, by sort of looking at the sort of scenes of, uh, well, there's a lot of scenes of sexual violence in, in, in the film. Uh, there's a lot of, like, the, the Alex and his droops, they, they kind of, they dress in a way which is, which is, is kind of very, um, masculine in an exaggerated way like with pod pieces and um, yeah. both of them like, so like quite phallic noses uh, and they, there's, there's also a lot of um, homosexual subtext if you read into it there's, okay. um, there's kind of like a sexual tension energy going on be- between like, between them but, but more implicitly and it's going to be suggested that Sort of the, sort of the, sort of the um, heterosexual sexuality that goes into film is only like like a, um, a prelude or a substitution for the sort of more pervasive um, homosexuality. Okay. Yeah. So this has been absolutely lovely talking to you, to be honest. So where can they find you, man? Where can Where can the people on the internet find you? Are you uh, you can find me uh, on. Facebook. I also have a. Uh, I mean, it's uh, Archie Brooks Hobson. That's my name. <laughs> uh, you can find. <laughs> I have. I don't. Yeah, I don't really kind of use. I okay. I, I, I might use Instagram more. That's yeah. I'm um, Banana Dean 
That's Bernardine 666. The um, reason it's called that is because uh, Bernardine it was like a, like a, um, a fictional psychedelic drug uh, during the 60s, which was like it was, it was like said to be a sort of banana peel, which you smoked to um, get psychedelic effects. Okay. That's the origin of that, if anyone's interested. And 666, because um, Archie Brooks Watson, six letters in each name. Archie Brooks Watson? Oh, shit. Yeah. So born. your name is literally the mark of the beast? Yeah, born, born on Halloween as well. Born on Halloween, you're the mark of the beast. Archie Brooks Watson, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Thank you. That's all right. <laughs>